Father, we pause before we speak to you. It's a sign and a symbol that we want to hear you more than we just want to speak to you in this moment. It is very easy for us to jump into passages or topics that we think that we know everything about because we've heard it a lot or we've studied it a lot. But Father, I pray that even as I've looked at this this week and really been challenged, I pray that all of us would be challenged. We'd always desire to hear more of you and more from you. Rather than thinking we already made it, I already know it, I already see this, I've already looked at this before, God, may we not go to that place on a regular, constant basis. May it always be this, God, would you show us more, would you teach us more, would you reveal more as we go into your truth, which is your word, reveal more that we might love you more. God, we thank you that you gave this to us, and I pray that whatever's necessary this morning in all of us, God, encouragement or conviction, whatever's necessary to make us look more and more like Jesus, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would have your way. We thank you that you, would, you desire it more than we do. God, work as only you can. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. We are going to get to Colossians at some point, but we're going to start here in Ephesians chapter 6. And listen to one of Paul's prayers in prison. Uh, my home church and I, we all went through this this past Wednesday. And just as a quick commercial, if you're not part of a home church, I really want to encourage you to pray through that and to become one. And we've got, we've got kind of... We've got home churches that are kind of spaced out through the area, as well as different nights or days that they meet. Uh, and the reason I think that they're so important is because I feel like they look a lot like what the church looked like in the book of Acts. And you say, oh, what? boy, you really like the book of Acts. I do like the book of Acts. There's something pure about the church in the book of Acts that I just loved. And of course, there's problems that came up in any church. But if you want to, know, if you want to be known in a community, I want to encourage you to be in one. Now, this isn't a slam if you're not. I just want to encourage you because there's just some beautiful things that happen. And as we're going through this passage in Ephesians 6, remember that Paul's in prison when he prays this. And I've been looking at a lot of Paul's prayers while he's in prison. So the, the Pauline letters, the epistles that Paul has written, and especially the four that, he's, that he wrote while in prison, those are the ones that I kept looking at. And this is one of them. And it says this, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication and requests or prayer for all the saints. And he says, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in change, I'm sorry, chains, not change, that I may declare it. Now what's it? That I may declare the mystery of the gospel. And we'll look at today, what is the mystery of the gospel? The mystery of the gospel is Christ. The mystery of the gospel is Jesus. And so while he's in prison, the thing that he prays for in prison is that, that he, that given to me, opening my mouth boldly to proclaim Jesus. So far, what I don't see him ever pray for in the epistles when he's in prison, and maybe I overlooked part of it, I just don't see him say it a lot. I don't really see him say, pray that I'd be released from prison. What he says is that, pray that God would open doors. Pray that he would give me boldness to openly proclaim the mystery of the gospel, which is Christ. He goes, that I may declare it the mystery of the gospel boldly as I ought to speak. So we started this topic of prayer last week in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, and it says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And we looked at three things that so far, what this verse says in verse 2 of what prayer must be. The first is that it must be faithful, it must be watchful, and it must be thankful. Here's the thing. Did anyone pause a few days ago and thank God when water fell from the sky? 
Did anybody just stop and go, thank you, God, for rain? And if you suddenly go, well, it's supposed to rain. That's all of a sudden, if, we, if that's our mentality, it's supposed to do that. We have all of a sudden moved away from understanding everything is by God's mercy and his grace rather than our entitlement. Guys, when it started raining, I just went, yes, just keep it coming. I even stood outside and just looked at it. And it was, it was hot outside and the, and the rain wasn't. And I was like, this is amazing, God. Isn't it amazing how things become more amazing when you don't see it all that often? How we can so quickly take it for granted and we should be so thankful that when we see God intervene, we see God answer prayer, the first thing that we should do is go back to God, thank you. Not jump into more requests, but just stop for a moment and just say, God, thank you for providing this. Something that maybe we got used to. And then we came to understand that why we pray will impact how we pray. And so today we look at how prayer is connected to Christ's mission because it's one continuous thought as Paul is continuing to finish up his letter to this, to this group of Christians. And notice how he prays the mission into it. Look at here, Colossians chapter four, verse three. At the same time, while you're doing what's mentioned in verse two, at the same time, pray also for us. And that would be Paul and Timothy and Aristarchus while they're in prison, that, that, God, that God may open to us a door for the word. Now, this is a phrase that's used a few times in scripture. Look at it in Acts chapter 14, verse 27. When they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared that all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, that God is the one who opened the door. First Corinthians 16, 9. For a wide door for effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. Well, that sounds like a bummer of a verse, right? God opens this massive door. Oh, and there's a bunch of adversaries. There's a whole lot of people that can't stand us. They hate us, but God opened this door. Followers of Jesus, we have to expect and anticipate that as we continue to move forward in what God has called us to do, there will be adversaries. There will be adversity when we're moving forward with what it is that Jesus has actually called us to do. It should be expected that even Paul experienced it. And that's why I always come back to this question, is Jesus worth it? And friends, really, if all of our following Jesus is this idea of what do I get out of following Jesus? Then when, when, well, well, how said, when preachers or people that are teaching the word come out and say, well, if you follow Christ, then all of your life just falls in line. There's never a struggle, never a worry. All your kids act perfectly. Financially be set. I mean, you get more than ever. Here's these 11 principles to put into place, and when you do these things, it all just turns out like gravy. It's gonna be fantastic, never a struggle. What happens to the person that hears that message, and then they apply those principles, but maybe those exact things don't happen? Then all of a sudden they think what? God's a liar. I did what I was told, and it didn't happen, but what if it comes down to this? We come back to spending time in the Word because we love Jesus. We spend time in him and with him in prayer. Why? Because we love Jesus. And all of a sudden, as God continues to reveal more and more of who he is, and we apply the things because we love Jesus, and we obey the things that are in the scriptures because we love Jesus, we obey his leading to impact the world because we love Jesus. That means when adversity comes, when people who are against us or things happen and circumstances don't happen the way that we think that they should because I've done all the steps that I'm supposed to, it doesn't matter why, because it's all about Jesus, do you see the difference? 
That how many people have been led astray thinking this is how great life could be if I'd only do these 14 steps and boom, it's set. But friends, do you know how many people who follow Jesus right now are not experienced the quote unquote the blessed life or the blessed life, the, the greatest life right now that we, would de- that we would define as the greatest life? That there are Christians around the world who are experiencing persecution simply because they love Jesus, that they're sitting in a prison cell simply because they love Christ, or they're being driven out of their homes, or they're being killed simply because they love Jesus. Guys, that's not the quote unquote blessed life when we define blessed as comfortable. But why would they continue? And why should we? Because Jesus is worth it. And does God bless obedience? Of course he does. But we allow him to define what blessing looks like. But it's all about him. It's about Jesus. In Revelation chapter three, verse eight, Jesus uses the phrase. He says, I know your works. He's speaking to a church, the church at Philadelphia not here in the States, but over there back in the day. He says, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. Followers of Jesus, that's what we should be praying for, isn't it? To hear Jesus say, hey, I've opened this door for you that nobody can shut. Like, I want you to continue to move forward and nothing and no one will stop you, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. You notice that Paul isn't the one who opened the doors. He didn't make the doors open. God opened the doors. So my question for us is this, do we pray for this? Is this what we pray for? Now again, we can ask for anything we want. I mean, Jesus, I'm just convinced as I've been reading through the gospels in our Bible reading plan, we can ask for anything. Ask, ask, just keep asking. And if it's according to his will, it's, it's, it's ours. But it's according to his will. But we can ask for anything. But when is the last time that we woke up, and I don't usually pray like this. I don't usually say, God, would you open a door for effective ministry today? I don't know that I prayed that yesterday. I don't, know when the, I don't remember the last time I prayed something as that specific. I prayed, God, use me. If I go off and speak somewhere, God, use me. But what if I woke up and I prayed this type of prayer? When is the last time that you, when, that we prayed, God, would you open a door for effective ministry that no one can shut? And so what if it becomes our prayer every day? So I wrote this in my notes. It'll be up on the screen. What if this became our prayer every day? God, will you please open doors to me for effective and powerful ministry for the gospel. And what if I prayed that before, like right when I wake up and I'm spending time with Jesus and his word and I just said, God, will you please open doors to me for effective and powerful ministry for the gospel? Will you do that today? Because isn't that what Paul is talking about? He said, open the door that God would open this door. What if all followers of Jesus actually meant it? And we pray, God, would you open a door for effective ministry today? That you would use me to impact the what? The one. Who's the one, God? Who's the one that you want me to impact today? But God, would you open that door? I don't want to force it. I don't want to kick something open that's not ready to be opened. God, would you open the door that no one else can shut for effective ministry for the gospel? I also wrote this in my notes. God can open doors even while we're shut behind closed ones. You said, what do you mean? Guys, we're reading a letter from a guy who couldn't get out of prison, and I was in prison because he loved Jesus. 
Guys, if you read the book of Ephesians, and Ephesians is such a sweet book, it's such a deep book, and followers of Jesus have gone through and read and had it preached for the last 2,000 years, a guy that I guarantee would have preferred not to have been in prison, but to have been free to go out and about wherever he wanted, to go and to proclaim the gospel to people everywhere. He's stuck in a jail cell. But millions and millions and millions of people have been impacted by his writings that was inspired by the Holy Spirit that is now part of the scriptures that I can guarantee you that while he wrote them, he did not think this is gonna make it into something called the Bible one day. And so in his heart to proclaim to all the Gentiles all over the world, and you'll see it in his writings, that was his heart. Do you realize that God honored him and has answered his prayer and is continually using Paul's impact and devotion to Jesus ever since he prayed it as he wrote these, as he wrote these letters from prison? Guys, think about it. I don't think he would have written these things had he, been, had he not been stuck That's why I think God can open doors even while, we are, even, even while we are shut behind closed ones. See, our why impacts how we pray. But also our why changes how we see our circumstances. So here's one of the prayers, that, or here's one of the updates that Paul gives in Philippians chapter one while he's in prison. He says, I want you to know brothers and brothers and sisters that what has happened to me, and this is being placed in prison, has really served to advance the gospel so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Who's the imperial guard? The imperial guard is known as the Praetorian guard. Caesar was known as the Praetor. The Praetorian guard was kind of like, kind of like his bodyguards. They had all the influence over Rome. They were all centurions. They received double pay. They had special privilege, but this was the biggest part. They became so powerful, the Praetorian Guard became so powerful that their choice for emperor was always honored. So whoever the, whoever the Praetorian Guard said, this is supposed to be the next emperor, it was honored, and that became the next emperor. And so here's Paul in prison going, the whole Praetorian Guard, the influencers of Rome, the ones who have, quote unquote, all the power, they all know why I'm here. And not just them, but all the rest of the guards that are around them, they know, or all the rest could also be Caesar's household. Everyone knows that I'm here because I love Jesus. Do you see all of a sudden Paul's perspectives change because he has the correct why? He's like, everybody knows why I'm here. Verse 14. And most of the brothers and brothers and sisters, you say, why, why do you keep saying brothers and sisters? In the ESV, it says brothers. Here's why. The Greek word there is adelphos, and it can mean brother or male sibling, but it also means fellow believer, and it could be a male or a female believer in the believing community. And so as I'm going through and I see brothers, I'll actually look it up. As I say brothers or brothers and sisters, is it Adelphos or is it not? And when it says that, I want to make sure that we understand, ladies, you're included in this. Like this isn't just sit back and wait till the men come home because they've been doing the ministry. You come back and you just serve them. No, no, no. Guys, ladies, you're involved in the fight. Look at what he says in verse 14. And most of the brothers and sisters, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. All the brothers and sisters hear about the fact I've been in prison. And you know what the result was? They didn't become more timid. They became like lions and lionesses. They got bold. 
I mean, they are, they are getting so bold. And they're going out and they're speaking. Men, women, out in the community, speaking the gospel. But isn't that... And we'll get to this in just a second. I'll bring it back up. But look at that word speak. Are much more bold to speak the word. Friends, no one understands the gospel if we don't use words to explain it. So Paul saw another benefit of his imprisonment. First he saw his impact on the influences of Rome. But here he also saw other followers of Jesus become much more bold to speak the word without fear. Do you see it? The calling to speak the things of God, the calling to speak the gospel is not only on pastors and preachers and evangelists. It is on every follower of Jesus. Guys, I bring us back to the Great Commission. The Great Commission is not for the quote-unquote professional Christians. And I, Guys, for a long time, there's kind of been this, um, it's like the laity. I think that's, that's, that's an old school where it's like the laity and then you have like the clergy. It's like there's this separation. I've told you how uncomfortable I still am even after years and people come up and call me pastor. And it doesn't, I mean, if you want to, that's fine. I'm not gonna say don't. It's just so weird to me because I don't usually walk up to somebody and use like their job as their title. But I know, it's a, I know, I know God has given me a role and I get that. And so I'm, I'm totally fine if you wanna do that. But it's like, I, I, my fear is I don't want to be like, well, Brian's the pastor and we're just, the congregation, instead of we're all the community and we're all gonna move forward and all of us are called to speak the things of Jesus and all of us are called to speak the gospel and all of us are called to go and make disciples and all of us have different avenues and different places. We work or we're at home, we're at different neighborhoods, we have different places that some of you, some of you are students and you're on a campus and maybe that campus doesn't wanna hear about Jesus. You're going, okay, I'm kind of freaking out. But when I start reading what other Christians are suffering, all of a sudden I become a little bit more bold and what if all of us to, what if all of us today left and then tomorrow we pray that prayer? God, I pray that you would open up this door no one else can shut for powerful and effective ministry for the gospel. Open it today, show me the one. And all of us who love Jesus went out, lived our life, did our errands, did all the things we're supposed to do with this mindset God, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? And then, just went, and then we just went for it. And sometimes it's going to feel like, well, I did pretty well. And other times it's like, I kind of wussed out, but at least we went for it. Example. So I I told you last week, uh, we we didn't have any air conditioner. And and then so the the coils got replaced. And then he said, well, uh, because because your compressor had to work so long on such low Freon, now you need a new compressor. So they fixed it, but it didn't work. So he's like, well, it's cooler. Yes, but I feel like I'm living in the beach. Like I feel, remember, so the armpit has been brought into my house a little bit. So I feel sticky and that's weird. I can't put my clothes on until I feel like it gets stuck. Sorry, that's that's my life. That's what I'm feeling. So last night I'm talking to the guys. They're both from Russia. The guy has been here, the one I was speaking to the most, he's been here for a year. And he's speaking English. I said, how, so how long have you been? He says, a year. I said, okay, so you've only known English for a year. You speak it better than I do. And he kind of giggled. And he's probably giggling because like, yep, absolutely, I can tell. <laughs> and so I so said, like, why did you come? Can I ask that? Do you mind? All I did was strike up the conversation. Actually, the first thing I said is, you guys want some dinner? They were at our house for like eight hours. 
I said, do you want some dinner? We had leftover raviolis and I'm like, you want something we can get? I can get you a plate. He's like, oh, no, no, that's okay. And I said, no, I don't mind. I mean, we have a, we have a bunch. We'd love to serve this. And I, and I was trying to weave Jesus in. It's like, I'm a follower of Jesus. And I just know that this is what he wants followers to do to just make sure we're taking care of people. Can we do that for you? He's like, oh, no, no, that's okay. And then he's just like, are you religious? Oh, here's the go. Where are we going to go? And he goes, I'm Muslim. And I'm like, I don't know what this, I didn't say these words, but in my head, I'm like, I haven't, I don't know enough of that. What is the connection? How can I take, how can I make you interested in Jesus? And I remember standing there going, God, I don't feel like I've studied enough on that. But now he has to come back and deal with my compressor. So guess what homeboy's going to be doing? I want to know what I can do to make a connection. He was the nicest guy. And he starts telling me about it. He said, and I have two daughters and I'm married. I've been married for this long. And and he goes, and then he pulls out his phone. I'm like, oh, I guess we're looking at pictures. He brings up these two pictures. Oh, there's one picture with two, this is two daughters. And I went, man, your, your daughters are beautiful. I said, why did you come here? Oh, because back in my country, and he said this, he goes, our president's kind of crazy. (laughs) I said, well, I think the the world would agree with you. (laughs) I actually said it, and he kind of chuckled. I was like, I hope that came out right. He goes, he just persecutes us. And I didn't sit there and, oh yeah, but have you heard about? I just sat there, and I thought, I'm just going to enter into your hurt. I said, I'm so glad you're here. Do you like it here? And he goes, I like Illinois better because it's colder. <laughs> I said, I get it. I was like, that's too cold for me. But imagine, he's kind of, he's, has, have you been to Russia? I said, I haven't been to Russia. Oh, it's beautiful there. I'll take you at your word. I, don't, I guess it is. Guys, he didn't come to know Christ. But I seriously, I was like, dang, I'm so, I'm so sorry, God. I feel like I missed but I wanted to try to bring it in. But like I said, I have no clue when the compressor's coming in, I really pray, God, bring him back. Let it be him. And if I know what time he's coming, I'm gonna have like this spread of food out. And it's like, you don't get to say no. We're just gonna have a chow down. I just like, okay, I care how long you're here. We're gonna talk about something. I'm gonna somehow bring Jesus into this. God, give me what? Give me the open door. Open the door for effective ministry to a guy who believes completely different than I do but experiences life the same way, if not different. Not the same way, how to say this? I've never been persecuted the way he has. So I wanna enter into his hurt. It's called humanity. And somehow bring the gospel into it. Guys, the, go- the call is on all of us. As I say this as lovingly as I can, but if you cannot remember the last time you brought Jesus up into a conversation, then what are you doing? I'm not saying that you have to pull out the Bible and just, have you read, have you read the book of Revelation? Let me read that to you right now while you sit and wonder what we're talking about. I'm just saying, bring them up. Just see where it goes. And it may go nowhere after you bring it up, and that's fine. But what if we get used to it? We start getting used to it so we become even a little bit more bold and a little bit more bold. And what if we pray for boldness because there's nothing wrong with admitting that we're afraid? Isn't it kind of terrifying to bring it up? Guys, please don't picture me going, there he goes, he's ready to go bold every day. No! I wrote this in my notes. Because it's this idea of without fear. And I wrote, our, 
Our fears about what if should not drive us to silence, but rather to prayer so that we might be faithful in doing what God has called us to do. My fears should not cause me to retreat, but it should cause me to pray. I mean, isn't that what, this is what he's praying. This is, this is what he's asking for prayer for so much right now. I wrote this in my notes also. Paul's why impacted how Paul prayed. He saw himself in prison by the will of God for the purpose of speaking the word with boldness. Isn't that amazing? So in, in reality, Paul wasn't really in prison. He was free to share the gospel where he was, even though he couldn't go anywhere. He was still free to do the work of Jesus. And therefore, he prayed for greater success in ministry for the gospel over personal deliverance or comfort. So back to verse 3. It says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. I wrote this in my notes. How we live and how we see circumstances are changed when Jesus is our why. Let me say it again. How we live and how we see our circumstances are changed when Jesus is our why. Why do I pray? Jesus. It's all about him. Not to get something from him. Just, it's about him. I get to talk to him. He's worth it. But what would this open door lead to? Colossians chapter four, verse three. To declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. That Paul was in prison because he was preaching the gospel. But God, open this door that I might declare the mystery of Christ. And Jesus is the reason I'm, that I'm in prison. Continue to verse four. That I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. That I would make it clear, that I would make the gospel clear. This is how I should speak. It should be so obvious that I can say these things. I think I brought this up before, but there's a statement will be up on the screen. And how many of you guys have ever heard this or maybe even used this? St. Francis of Assisi made it famous, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Has anybody ever heard that? A few of you? Okay. Well, this is a new thing for everyone. That's fantastic. Here's the danger with that phrase, though, or that statement. Preach the, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. And here's what I hear people doing with it now. You know, I just want people to see, like, I want people to see the gospel in me. Oh, absolutely. Guys, shouldn't that be true? I mean, the gospel is not just about getting saved. The gospel is what keeps me going. So I want people to see the difference in my life. I want them to see the gospel. I want them to see the reality of the Holy Spirit in me who was given to me when I surrendered my life to Jesus and received his gift of salvation. I want people to see the difference. But when people use this phrase, it's usually this. I want to preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. So I've, heard, I've had someone say, say these words to me. You know, I don't, I don't talk about Jesus I just, I want them to see Jesus in my life, period. Guys, that's beautiful, except it's half of it. Paul didn't say, pray also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to convey it or live it or live the mystery of Jesus silently. In other words, I just don't know a lot of people that when they see people do something nice because we love Jesus, all of a sudden break into this idea, I need to be saved, right? Like the message of the gospel kind of gets lost. 
Guys, there's no way that just because I do something nice for a person that comes because I love Christ, walking out to this guy, and I wish I could remember his name, but I honestly didn't really understand what he said was his name, and so I just said, okay. And you said, oh, did you lie? No, I just didn't know what it was, and I didn't want to keep asking because I felt awkward. So I was like, when I sit there and go, hey, here's raviolis, if he wanted some, to sit there and go, these raviolis, here you go. And in his mind, he goes, I need to be saved. I need to give this up and repent from sin and come to Jesus because of some raviolis. What needs to happen is that, God, would you open up a door when I see him next? Would you open up a door and help me understand how it is that I can bring Jesus up in the conversation, that I can convey the gospel clearly? Guys, that's the mission. And as I said before, I say it again as lovingly as I can. If we can't remember the last time we brought Jesus up with somebody, what are we doing? What are we doing? I think for decades, for decades, maybe even hundreds of years, it's been thought. Just get people to a service. And by a service, we call this a worship service, right? I prefer to call it worship gathering. Like we're coming together. It's like I don't usually call it church. I don't say, are you going to go to church? Because I don't think the church is a place. I think it's a gathering of people brought together to fulfill a purpose. I think this is a worship gathering. And when we gather to worship, the purpose of gathering to worship is to worship. Oh my gosh, he is a deep thinker. It's to worship Jesus. So followers of Jesus, we gather at least once a week and we worship Jesus. And if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, we're so glad that you're here to join us to do what? To worship Jesus. But I'm not a follower. But oh, how I pray that as the word of God goes out, that as the spirit is moving in our times of worship, that he will do an incredible work. Convict of sin. The father would draw you to Jesus. But you're joining us as we worship Jesus. The purpose of the worship gathering is to worship that's what we gather for. But what it's turned into, I feel, and it's been a long time, and I've, I've been part of it, is you just get as many people packed into a room so some person up front can just preach everything, and you just sit and wait, and if it, all of a sudden they come to Jesus, oh, they came to Jesus all the while, stripping people of the joy that comes with powerfully being used by God to introduce people to Jesus on your own. Friends, I've said this. Sunday mornings should be supplemental to what it is that God is doing through you throughout the week. Like, hearing me is not the primary way of people coming to Jesus. My job is to care for you, to instruct you, to teach you, and then throughout the week, guess what I'm doing? I'm gonna do the same things that you all are doing because I'm first and foremost a follower of Jesus before I'm a pastor. As I brought it up before, I say it again. What if all of us found one this week to bring Jesus up with? And we made that our goal every week. Who's the one, God? Who's the one? We might find ourselves getting a little bit addicted to it. And some will, some will be interested and some will think that you're out of your minds. But when your why is Jesus, it doesn't matter. You keep going. He says that I might proclaim, verse 4, that I may make clear which is how I ought to speak. Make clear what? The gospel. What is it? In the beginning, God created everything. He created it perfect. It was very good. And two chapters later, man, man and woman, they were standing and they were tempted. Eve listened as the enemy tempted her and Adam stood there with her and made the decision to rebel against God. See, God said don't, and they came up with the idea of why they could. 
Friends, sin entered the world in that moment. What's the problem with the world? It's sin. Now, the problem is those people that vote that way, it's called sin. Oh, the major problem is racism, it's called sin. Oppression, it's called sin. We deal with the root, not just the branches. Deal with the root first. The Bible is clear that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single person on the planet that we were conceived into sin and it is impossible for us to make it to God on our own. We cannot be forgiven on our own. We can't do enough good things to be made right with God. Every other world religion teaches that, but only Christianity comes and says, you cannot do enough good things to get to God, so what's the remedy? So because it's impossible for me to get to God, God came for us in Jesus. And he lived this life, and he lived it sinless. Every word, thought, deed, motivation was pure and faultless before the Father. But because Jesus experienced what life is like, the Bible says that he sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. Because he has been tempted in every way, yet was without sin. And his whole purpose was still not to just come so he could sympathize us with, with us in our weaknesses, but his whole purpose for coming was what? That we might be reconciled to God. We couldn't get to him, so God came for us. All the sacrifices that are pointed out in the Old Testament that the blood that needs to be shed pointing to quote unquote forgiveness before God. The writer of Hebrews says it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to bring about forgiveness, a right relationship with God. So it's a picture of what it is that Jesus would come, that he would take a cross that we deserve, that the blood would pour down, that all of his blood would be shed. Why? Because it's this sacrifice before God. Brian, that seems brutal. Oh, it was. But what's the Bible saying? When it talks about Jesus, who for the joy set before him, the joy set before him endured the cross. The joy set before him, what was that? The joy set before Jesus was us. He endured the cross, scorning its chain, and in its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. Friends, he took the cross that we wouldn't have to. His blood was shed so he could be made right with God. And then he came back from the dead three days later to show that he has victory over sin and death. And if he did not come back from the dead, if death beat him, then death would beat us and we'd be pointless. He did everything. From that cross, he says, it is finished. You can't be saved by works, it's saved by grace. That's it, there's nothing else. And we come under his lordship and so on. How do we receive forgiveness with God? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Lord, the word means confess means to say something in such a way that your life will follow that declaration. And the word Lord means master. So it's me surrendering and submitting to the Lordship of Jesus, who is a good and great God. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And Bible, the Bible says that you will be saved. And that in that moment when I surrendered my life to Christ, the Holy Spirit, the great helper, was given to me to be in me, to lead, to guide, to counsel, to convict, to encourage, and to help me as a guarantee of the salvation that I will receive the inheritance that is still mine to come when I stand before God face to face, no longer needing faith, but able to see what it is that God is preparing in advance for us. It's a gift. Why? Because he loves us. 
that Jesus on the cross was forsaken so that I wouldn't have to be. And I gave my life to him. And then he says this, follow me. Here's salvation, follow me. I've prepared in advance all these works that I want you to do, just come with me. What happens to those who don't know Christ, they haven't surrendered to Jesus. That friends, they will spend eternity away from God in hell and we sit there and go, that's not fair. It's not about being fair, it's about grace. God is just and punishes sin, but in his grace and his mercy, he comes for us, delivers us, gives us everything necessary that we could surrender to him, gives us the faith that's necessary that we could surrender to Christ. What else could God do to prove to you that he loves you? What else could he do? That's what he did. And here's what Paul said. God, would you open up a door that I could speak the gospel clearly so that people would know the need to repent from sin and to turn to Christ and receive restored relationship with him and forgiveness, God, would you help me? Would you open that door that that's the message that could go out? Don't open the door for my freedom. Open the door for your service, your ministry, your work. As the worship team comes back up. Friends, our why is always supposed to be Jesus who he is, what he did, what he does, is always Jesus. And I'm convinced that when Jesus is our why, we will pray for what Jesus wants. And then I wrote this last part up on the screen. When Jesus is our why, and we pray for what Jesus wants, we are then praying how he wants us to pray. When Jesus is our why, and we pray for what Jesus wants, we are then praying how he wants us to pray. So how should we pray? Maybe like this. We listen to these words and we move into this place of prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. God, make this our reality, right? If you're not a follower of Christ, I want to invite you to surrender to his lordship and to say that you want to follow him, count the cost. But when you say, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus, he gives you salvation. That's the gift. And following him, that costs everything, but he's worth it. But salvation, that's his. He gives that to whoever says, I want to follow Christ. But you have to repent from sin. You don't get to, we don't get to redefine what sin is and what it's not. We repent from sin and we turn to Christ. We go away from and toward. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I invite you. Confess him as the Lord of your life. Believe that he died on a cross and came back from the dead and call out to him, would you save me? I want to follow you and receive his gift. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we give you thanks that, you've, that you, you gave us prayer and you didn't give us prayer so that you could know what, what's going on in our lives. You gave us prayer that we could know you. But according to your word today, our prayer is this, God, 
God, I pray that you would open a door for effective ministry that can't be shut by anyone. Effective ministry for the gospel. That you would give us boldness to go and speak clearly the message of the gospel about Jesus. Father, I pray that you'd show us who's the one this week or who's the one today that you call us to impact and give us the boldness and the grace and fill us, Holy Spirit, that they might come to know Christ and enter into life with you. And as we celebrate baptism after this, God, we celebrate with those who want to make, the, they want to make it known to everyone that they are followers of Jesus. Holy Spirit, please never let them forget this day. God, as we sing this last song to you, to you be all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor, for you alone are worthy. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone who agrees says, amen. Love you all more than you know. Amen.